Welcome to Clocking In, Forces of NC Manufacturing. I'm your host, Phil Mintz, Director of the North Carolina Manufacturing Extension Partnership, otherwise known as NCMEP. My role is to drive outreach to NC manufacturers, build relationships to federal and state leaders, and coordinate efforts to drive profitable manufacturing growth in North Carolina. Throughout my time working closely with manufacturers, I have heard the most quirky, curious, and memorable stories. I wanted to turn these stories into a podcast so that others may hear and be informed and inspired. From humble beginnings to manufacturing titans, from tragedy to triumph, I will be interviewing some of these manufacturers who have made North Carolina manufacturing the powerhouse that it is today. Paper towels and tissue have been in the news a lot this past year. According to Business Insider, the U.S. saw toilet paper sales rise to $1.45 billion in March 2020, an 845% increase in demand from the previous year. On this episode of Clocking In, we'll be speaking with the North Carolina tissue manufacturer who has stepped up to meet the demand challenge. Cardinal Tissue is a specialized contract tissue manufacturer founded in 2018. Located in Spindale, North Carolina, the organization provides tissue suppliers with solutions for contract converting, training, and supply chain optimization. In March 2020, Cardinal Tissue increased its operations significantly to aid in the pandemic-driven shortage. Today, we're clocking in with the owner and president of Cardinal Tissue, Vince Reese. Vince has been in the tissue making business for over 25 years and has previously worked as an executive for another North Carolina tissue company. Vince is here today and we thank you for taking the time with us. How are you doing today, Vince? I'm doing well. I hope you are. Uh, great. You know, in a minute, I'll ask you to give us a view about how your products you make advance through the supply chain into the factory where you make those items that we all felt like we needed months worth of supply at one time last spring. But at first, it's always good to hear where great leaders come from and the influences in their lives that help them decide where they wanted to go. So could you start by telling us how your life and career got you to North Carolina and into the paper industry? Sure. I Grew up in a town that was from pulp and paper in Idaho. They, they had a pulp and paper and lumber and also were in tissue. Back then, tissue was kind of a place for the pulp mill to send excess fiber when, when they weren't using it at all to make other things. And probably ended up coming back to work for that mill when I got out of the military. That happened to be around the time that they started taking seriously tissue as a, as a part of a business. So I got involved very early with tissue and kind of the private label market where we were able to take it from the economy and value sector into even the ultra products to, to compete with Charmin Bounty. So how did you get to Spindale? Well, the, the company that I was with uh, eventually started expanding and expanded into the East. At the time that I came here, they were the largest private label manufacturer in tissue in the, in the U.S. And the, spin, the this area of North Carolina was in close proximity to the, you know, Eastern seaboard corridors for supplying, you know, major retail grocers. I ended up here putting a plant in Shelby, North Carolina. And we built a plant there for Clearwater paper. And I ran that plant for a few years and 
kind of moved into another position and then eventually left the company and, and started my own. So how did you decide to do that? I mean, is that something you had aspired, you know, all through your life that you would one day kind of have your own company? Oh, well, I certainly thought about having my own company from time to time. Tissues a hard road to hoe. It's very uh, expensive, capital intensive to get into. So I, I never really planned to, to start my own tissue company. But the position I held just prior to, to starting my own, I was involved in taking a look at what the market was and really what the supply of parent rolls and tissue paper were in the Southeast. And it became clear that there was a, there was a mismatch between the amount of converting capacity that was available to, to cut up tissue and the amount of uh, paper raw material there was. So, you know, I, I, that looked like a pretty good opportunity to be able to, to put together some type of converting operation uh, in the, in this area. So just about the industry, are these types of products prominent in the U.S.? Is there a lot of factories that convert to tissue or do we get it from imports as well? Very little, very little import of the finished goods. So if you think about tissue and paper towels and tissue products in general, they're very light. So you're going to cube out a trailer before you wait it out. So, I mean, a general thumb rule is you want to be able to convert those products within about a 500 mile radius of, of where they're being used because you would, it, it would cost you a lot more, you know, the end product that you as a consumer are going to buy you can't bear a, a few dollars of freight involved with each individual selling unit. So, so tissue converters are kind of sprinkled about the, the country then. Just I to, think that's fair to say. I mean, in general, if you, if you, if you put some dots around and, and drew a 500 mile radius circle around each of them, you know, those, those are the regions where most of the products you would want them to go. You know, as, as retail grocers have grown and, and different folks were, even in the box stores and, and bigger chains are selling tissue, you know, of course they're national and they have DCs all over. So sometimes you, you know, may ship outside of your zone, but in general, that's what, that's what you want to try to do. Yeah. So Vince, we, you know, we do have a little bit of a manufacturing audience. So it's always interesting to, to see how to talk about how things are made. So, you know, tell us how, you know, we get to, uh, this piece of tissue or paper towel that we use for like a second or two. <laughs> I'm sure it, I'm sure it, it has to go through a lot to, to get there. Well, the, 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 the tissue paper has to be manufactured and that, that is a little more friendly to, to move around. So that could come from outside of the 500 mile radius. And, and even at times um, there might be some imported tissue that comes in the form of jumbo rolls. So the tissue when it's made is made in, in these very large rolls that are anywhere from 2,000 to 5,000 pounds each. And those rolls then are converted. So they're, they're wound down from these big master rolls or parent rolls into kind of the, the diameter of a product that you and I would use. And if you had a two-ply product, well, then you'd have two of those rolls on, on a machine. And they would be plied together and you'd get the emboss pattern put in there and you'd have the perf in there and then you would glue the tail shut on the on the thing and you'd end up with what we call a log coming off which would be the width of the parent roll um, but the diameter of what you and i would see in a package and then that will go through a 
a saw and get cut into consumer sizes. So for a towel, for example, they're 11 inch wide, which is a standard for a towel in the U.S. We'd cut those into those 11 inch wide rolls. Those would go into a, some kind of a wrapper and the wrapper would put either paper or poly on the outside and come out of the wrapper and then go into potentially a case packer, which would pack them into a case and then to some type of palletizing unit to stack up the cases and then out they go on a truck. You know, we're, we be in the U.S., you know, we often want to get fancy with just about everything we buy, you know, so I know there's a lot of different shapes and sizes and grades and about uh, paper towels and tissue and one ply and two ply. And, you know, is it really that big of a difference to, to make all these different types of tissue? Yeah, there, there's a fair amount of difference. There's about four different categories or levels of quality, let's say, of, of tissue products. So you start out with your economy type products, you know, which can include some one ply or maybe uh, even recycled type fiber, you know, John Wayne toilet paper, you know, maybe is another way to put it, right? But it's the, it's the low end, low quality stuff. And then you move up into the value category, premium. A uh, premium would be like your angel soft and sparkle equivalent products. And then finally into the ultra category, which would be um, what we call structured tissue, which would be more of like a Charmin and Bounty equivalent product. And the type of fiber that's used and the way that the base sheet is handled can affect, you know, what the absorbency is and how well it holds together and some different specifications. So um, for sure, they require different techniques to convert them. They'll land in the market at different price points to, to the consumer. So do those high-end, you know, quicker picker-uppers and things like that, do they, do they run their own converting factors? Do they kind of farm out to people like you as well? All of the above. Yes. Oh, okay. So, so you can, yep. They, uh, those, the, the products from, from economy all the way to ultra are, are uh, done by integrated manufacturers as well as contract converters. So talk a bit about the, the over time, kind of the progression of your company and where you see things headed. I mean, this, I know Spindale would love for you to continue to expand and add jobs there. Is, you know, is that something that can happen with this, with this industry in a meaningful way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're continuing to, to grow and add capacity here at the plant. I mean, in general, if you think about it, you know, the, the consumption of tissue in the U.S. is growing you know, at the same rate as the population. So as long as the population keeps growing, then the demand for tissue is going to keep growing at that rate. Um, additionally, for private label, there's a boost that you get from private label taking some market share from branded products. So a, a lot of the bigger brands had patents and things in the U.S. that were that kept smaller manufacturers from making, let's say, an ultra quality product. And those patents have expired over the last several years. And, and now that there's smaller manufacturers that are capable of making the, the same quality of products as some of the larger branded players. And that's resulted in, in some of the market share that the brands have moving into private label. So if you go to Ingalls, for example, and, and, and shop for their ultra towel, 
that towel is going to be comparable in quality to a branded ultra towel. And they'll be able to offer that potentially at a, a lower price point because they're not going to bear the, the burden of a, you know, big marketing, you know, commercials on TV, this kind of thing. Right. So slowly over time and, and, and accelerated by recessions and, and folks trying to save a few pennies because, you know, ultimately you find that, that those products are essentially the same. And, you know, once, once you realize that you find a product that's has the same quality level as a more expensive branded product, probably you're going to be satisfied with that longer term once you, once you make that move. So between those, you get, you have, you have a fair amount of growth in the, in the tissue segment in the U.S. consistent year over year. So what kind of toll does it take when you get a 845% increase in demand, like, like back in the spring? I mean, does it, you know, it, I mean, we saw the shelves were empty and, and we sure. were worried. Um, what does that do to a place like yours? Well, you, you know, you can imagine it's busy, but you know, tissue manufacturing equipment is very, very expensive. Okay. And so manufacturers, even small manufacturers like myself, they're not going to have a lot of equipment just sitting around not making stuff. So, you know, I would guess that the whole tissue market was, you know, at least running at 90 plus percent of capacity prior to COVID. And when COVID happened, you know, it's interesting, you know, we, we didn't have more people in the U.S. when COVID happened. We had, we had the same amount of people. You know, I mean, I'm sure there was a, some amount of noticing that stuff wasn't on the shelf and you picked up a couple of packs so you don't run out, you know, like a storm coming, you, you get water kind of a thing. But but generally, that's not the reason that we ran out of toilet paper. And when you look at the tissue market, there's there's kind of two places that you use toilet paper. One is in your home. So we'll call that the at-home market or the retail market because you go buy it at retail grocery stores or someplace at retail. And then sometimes you go away from home, which may be at school or at the office or, you know, wherever, movie theater, airport. And that that's the away from home market. And the away from home market prior to COVID probably made up about 30% of all the tissue that's used in the U.S. So within a few months of COVID happening, let's say March, so, you know, of last of 2019 or yeah, that's probably right. Or 2020, April, May, uh, when things started getting serious, there was a there was a dramatic decrease in the amount of people that were using it at the airports and the schools uh-huh. and that type of stuff. So, so that 30% of the market got just dumped right on top of of a market that was already 90% sold, right? And and of course that caused some problems and ultimately resulted in tissue disappearing off the shelves pretty quickly. So we had so the tissue was just out of place. Uh, it was it wasn't that it was a shortage. Yeah, it was. That's right. There's, there's different types of machines. When you know when you go to the airport, you're looking for a, you know a giant roll that's in the airport stall, right? That that maybe has thousands of sheets on it, and you don't really care that it's one ply. You just care that it's there. Right. <laughs> you, you don't ever go write a letter to the airport and complain that they had rough toilet paper in the stall in the bathroom. You're just staying happy that there was some. So that kind of tissue 
isn't really compatible with the retail market. If you went to the store and you went to, you know, went to Ingalls and bought tissue, you probably wouldn't look for a 14 inch diameter roll that was one ply and kind of rough. You, you want a little better than that for yourself at home, right? So the machines that make those are different. So it wasn't just a matter of swinging capacity over across the board from making these away from home products to making retail that you couldn't. So there really was a shortage in the ability to create enough for absorbing the retail market. And that's what led to the, to the real decrease in tissue. Now, some things that manufacturers did to you know, help this situation is, is they did some skew optimization to you know, maybe, maybe you had a hundred different products that you were making for different retailers and, and that made your efficiency be X. If you reduce that to 50 or 20, or if you had one product that you made, your efficiency would be much higher because you wouldn't be changing things over as much. So, so a lot of that happened. And that's why you saw maybe fewer choices on the shelf because manufacturers were trying to accommodate for the decrease uh, in, in their ability to make as much as everybody wanted. I think we got to the same point to where we didn't really care about what kind it was on the shelf. <laughs> and that's right. And you even maybe saw some away from home products. Like, you know, if you go to a hotel, for example, there might be a bunch of single roll wrap rolls under the shelf in the bathroom. Well, you saw some of those maybe migrating to the shelf in the grocery store, which normally wouldn't happen. So is, is that sort of leveling off now? Do you see a, a shift back or are we still in that? Say, I know a lot of people still working from home, but more people I think are going back to work. Is that? Yeah, I think some somewhat, right? I mean, so I, I think the music isn't completely stopped on the away from home side, but it's it's definitely different. The, 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 the shift, I think there was a step change in, what that market share is. And I'm not, I'm not really sure now if it was 30% before, maybe it's, maybe it's 20% now, you know, or maybe it's 15, right. But for sure there was a large chunk that landed on retail and there's, there's a fairly large chunk that's going to stay on retail for the foreseeable future. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I keep hearing more and more people talking about how there's probably not going to have offices, you know, people are going to just start working from home as, as a yeah. common practice. And, and even if you were, right, I mean, if, if you're still in the scare of COVID and you happen to be out and you stop by the gas station and, you, and, and maybe before you felt comfortable going in there and, and, and doing your, you know, visit, maybe today you say, ah, I can wait 10 more minutes and get home because you don't want to risk exposing yourself yeah. to a bunch of other people. So, right. Yeah, I think that's, that's going to be around for a while. So is, is this kind of, I guess the way we do things now in your industry is kind of uh, the way it's going to have to be done for years to come. I mean, what is the technology looking like? What changes how, how well you can do this and how more efficient you can be? Well, I mean, technology and tissue, you know, believe, believe it or not, it, it is, there's a lot of technology in, in tissue. You know, you think about, you know, if you say technology, maybe you think about pharmaceutical and auto industry and robotics and you know, different autonomous vehicles, artificial intelligence. And, and the first thing that comes to mind probably isn't tissue. <laughs> uh, but the, the truth is, is really 
there's there's a, a lot of technology and tissue and a lot of motion control and all of the above, right? That, that I had mentioned before there, because really you have a low price. If you're making a Lamborghini, I mean, the metal cost stuff and blah, 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 right? But at the end of the day, you probably have a margin that's different than if you're making a 10 cent item or a dollar item, right? So the, the, the lower that commodity is, you know, it the, the more important it is for you to be able to manufacture that more efficiently, right? Because you don't have room to absorb yeah. that in, in the rest of the, in the rest of the sale. So I think you, you guys make paper towels and tissue there. I mean, do you also do things like napkins and other, I mean, is, is that yeah. match up? Or? Yes, that's correct. We make toilet uh, paper, paper towels, napkins, and, and facial tissue as well. Yeah. So, so it's very enlightening. I mean, it's, I know that the people in Spindale is very pleased with you, the success you're having there and, and even more uh, excited about, you know, how much publicity I guess you've been getting <laughs> because of the uh, pandemic and, and what, and how things are moving forward. So, but we're, we're pleased that you took some time out to talk to us about it. And it's very interesting. I'd love to come by there someday and, and see how it all, how all works and, Maybe I get to ride around in that fancy scooter I see in some of the photographs you yeah, have there. For sure. Yeah. Uh, you're welcome anytime. Just give me a heads up and I'll get the scooter warmed up for you. We've been speaking to Vince Reese from Cardinal Tissue in Spindale, North Carolina, about the industry and the changes that we've had. And we're really pleased that you have took your time out to join us and hope you have a, a good afternoon and a great day. All right. Thanks, Phil. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for joining today's Clocking In, Voices of NC Manufacturing. This podcast is brought to you by NC State's College of Engineering, the North Carolina Manufacturing Extension Partnership, and Industry Expansion Solutions. If you'd like to learn more about the solutions NCMEP offers, go to www.ncmep.org. Want to listen to previous Clocking In podcasts? Go to ncmep.org slash clocking in.